When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Just very quickly, just to revert back to last Friday and our very special programme to celebrate uh, 30 years of C103 and 30 years of me in the same time slot. Uh, and it was just such a magical programme. It really was. And I know I signed off and I did my best to thank uh, everyone. So just once again, just to reiterate what a special day it was. And to John Paul, who just, he's such a fantastic producer, but he absolutely excelled himself last Friday, particularly with all those messages and greetings that came in that I knew absolutely nothing about. I just had to hit a button that's in front of me that says next and then it would be message number one, number two, whatever it was. And I never knew each time who was going to be, who the message was going to be. And they were lovely. It was just, they were heartwarming and they were sweet. And I felt very special, I have to say, when I wrapped up the programme on Friday. It was lovely. So thank you. And to the listeners, goodness me, folks, you surpassed yourself with the amount of texts and calls and emails and cards and then on social media at the weekend and I was doing my best at the weekend to like as many of the comments that were coming in so if I didn't get to yours my apologies but just a heart a really really a heartfelt uh, thanks and as I said on Friday when I signed off we'll do it all over again uh, on Monday at 10 and here we are doing it all over again so we're back to normal today we welcome your thoughts and comments uh, throughout the morning John Paul is on his own taking the calls uh, today so bear with us on that at 1850 and people gathering to socialise is threatening to put the progress made in fighting COVID-19 at risk and that's the message that very much came out at the weekend from the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan the five day count continues to rise in recent days and Tony Houlihan was outlining at the weekend that it was various gatherings, including gatherings associated with funerals. Yesterday, we had 378 new uh, infections and sadly there was one further death. Dr Houlihan said there are examples of small numbers of people congregating, he says, for social purposes. And he said they're simply ignoring the important public health notice. They're putting the collective progress at risk. He said we are also seeing a number of outbreaks across the country 
and they're including outbreaks in association with funerals. Now, he did go on to say that he understands, you know, when there's a funeral, when there's a death in the family, it's a very difficult time for families. But he said it's really important that we do everything we can to avoid these circumstances which can promote transmission of the virus. He said there's also been outbreaks associated with workplace settings, you know, and he says as we are heading in to a new working week, he's encouraging people, if you can work from home, please work from home. The only reason you should be heading into work is for essential reasons. The only reason you should be heading outside your door is for personal exercise and you should be doing that or for shopping for essential reasons and of course the five kilometre rule is still in place. Dr Tony said the average daily five day case count is rising and it's now gone over 400 per day. He said that's a worrying development and that's been persistent over the last few days and that's a real pity because it had been very, very slowly starting to come down. You could really see that the level five was kicking in and, you know, we were all nearly patting ourselves on the back saying there'll be an easing of restrictions, we'll have some kind of a Christmas and then suddenly over five days, numbers start to, to go back up again. Out of yesterday's cases, by the way, 19 were here with us in Cork. But then the big talking point over the weekend, and I can already see we have some commentary in on it, including one listener who messaged us yesterday saying, Hi, C103, have you seen the scenes in Dublin last night? Crowds drinking everywhere and similar, it seems, in Cork City at the weekend. What a joke. I hope the government sees that no social distancing going on, no masks, where were the Gardaí? It's a joke. These sad people. Um, Ireland, we, everybody needs to cop on. Please, could you raise this on your programme this morning, uh, Patricia? Uh, and thanks. Stay safe. And that's from a Cork man in Germany, who, who I'm assuming is one of the people who won't be coming home for Christmas or is hoping to come home for Christmas. But then is seeing what is happening in here and thinking, well, if that keeps going, I'm never going to be able uh, to get home. And what that gentleman is referring to is a video that went around from Dublin's South William Street. And it was purporting to be on Saturday night and it showed crowds, crowds of people socialising very little regard for social distancing. There wasn't a mask in sight. They all appeared in their hand to have takeaway pints. You know, they were in those plastic containers that were used to getting when we're at festivals and concerts. So they were definitely getting takeaway drink from somewhere. Now, it seems while that text that came in from Germany, the person was saying the Gardaí weren't in sight. It seems they were because the Gardaí got a number of calls about what was going on in Dublin and they did send officers out. The officers requested the people to disperse and I don't know if they could force them, but they were saying to them, you need to go drink up and leave, please, or take your drink, go somewhere else, stop congregating uh, in groups. But the Gardaí from Dublin did say that there was no breaches of regulations were detected. And yes, we also had scenes here in Cork on the Grand Parade, also described as hot spots uh, for people congregating. And I know... We have a statement in from the Gardaí on the Cork City crowds on Saturday night. Gardaí responded to reports of large gathering of people on the South Mall 
on Saturday evening. The Gardaí attended the scene and they requested all persons to disperse. Gardaí maintained a presence in the area. No breaches of regulations were detected. A number of patrols were conducted in the area over the course of the uh, evening. So the Gardaí doing their best when crowds like that gather to say to people, please copy yourself on please and go home. But how are people feeling about it? Were you discussed it when you saw that scenes? I know some of the publicans in Dublin saying that, you know, that they were sickened to their core publicans who are, haven't been able to open. Now obviously some of the publicans are selling these takeaway drink but I think the idea of the takeaway drink was you could buy a pint but the idea was you'd bring it home. It wasn't that you'd congregate outside on the street but I suppose if they're if you allow drink to be sold like that you will get groups who will decide to meet up you will get groups of people who don't really care about COVID-19 who feel sure if I get it it's not going to harm me and they're they're not going to abide by the restrictions the majority of us are doing the very best that we can to stick by all of the restrictions so that we can get the numbers down and we celebrate when the numbers go down and we're hoping that the numbers will continue to go down so that we can have some kind of a Christmas and then that kind of I'm nearly going to, I was nearly going to use a swear word there. That kind of carry on goes on. It really, really is uh, annoying. And I know Ty Daly, who regularly joins us on the programme, he's the Chief Executive Officer with Nursing Homes Ireland. He's saying he's worried about people in nursing homes and he's already coming out saying, where where are we, six weeks away from Christmas, that clear guidance is required in relation to the issue of visits for residents at Christmas time. He said, ultimately, what Nursing Homes Ireland want he said we, what we want to do is to explore all the options he said I think all of us would work towards ensuring safe visits by at least even one person over Christmas he said we are just conscious like anybody that Christmas is a unique time we want to be planning you need a lead in time but also he said we need public health uh, support and it's got to be a very worrying and a sad time for families who have a loved one in a nursing home for many of them they haven't seen them in many many weeks and as the countdown to Christmas begins, you know, and the decorations are starting to go up and the Christmas music is starting to be played. And even today, we are going to be previewing this year's Holly Bow, which always indicates that the season of goodwill is upon us. But if you've got a loved one in a nursing home who maybe in previous years, that person might have been able to come out for a few hours, maybe come home to join loved ones for, for Christmas dinner this year. And for many of them, that's not going to happen this year and for many families they're not even going to be able to get to visit their loved one on Christmas Day and you know the only way that we can change that is to keep bringing down the COVID-19 positive cases and bringing the R number down and getting to a situation where we have as good as flattened the curve in this country and get as close to almost getting rid of COVID-19 in this country so that nursing homes can open up and people can go and visit their loved ones. And I wish you know the people that were out on the streets drinking at the weekend, did any of them stop and think, do any of them have a loved one in a nursing home? Did any of them stop and, and think what a lonely, lonely Christmas it is going to be for so many people? A number of people very annoyed about those scenes that were witnessed over the weekend both here in Cork and in Dublin of large groups congregating and drinking on the street and a couple of people are making the same point and I have to say something that went through my mind 
at the weekend, including Martin, who was or is a taxi driver, and Colin Mayfield is making the very same point. Martin says, I used to do taxi driving in the city and on my nights working, I would see Gardaí taking drink away from young guys on the street. I always thought it was illegal to drink on the streets of the city and Colin Mayfield is saying the same thing. Didn't they bring in a bylaw saying that it was illegal? Nothing to do with COVID. This was before COVID. So surely if there's a bylaw in place the people can be arrested for drinking on the street if they don't just move off as soon as the guardy uh, tell them to go I'll get John Paul to check that but I, I thought the same thing at the weekend I, I do remember bylaws coming in about drinking on the street and then someone else when I mentioned that the Gardaí went out both in Dublin and in Cork and you know they encouraged they, they requested all the persons to disperse and there was no breaches of regulation detected somebody says for God's sake would you close the off licence and anywhere selling drink we can all see what is happening funerals are also a joke especially the Gawkers who are afraid they'll miss out on something on a lighter note I love the Holly Bell love been reading it for over 60 years it brings back lovely memories of my nana (laughs) that's sweet we'll be talking about that uh, a little bit uh, later on Uh, Hi Patricia why or why can't they shut down the off licences that would stop all of these parties and drinking on the streets I haven't been outdoors since March this behaviour is killing me says Margaret and John in Butterman says Patricia I think it was very nice of the Gardaí to politely ask all those idiots drinking on the South Mall over the weekend and in Dublin to please leave and go home what is wrong with those people? Get the riot gear and get batons out and get them off the street instead of asking them to politely move on. Good God. <laughs> now, according to the rules and regulations, the Gardaí, what do they do? They are, they, their policing response is on its tradition of policing by consent. This has seen guard the members engage, explain, encourage and as a last resort enforce. Now, they certainly both in Dublin and in in Dublin and in Cork, they certainly didn't enforce. They just went through the engage, explain and encourage because we, we were told they requested people to uh, disperse. Councillor Des Cahill of Cork City Council is on the line. Good morning to you, Des. Morning, Trish. Uh, is it illegal to drink on the streets? Yeah, there's a bylaw in Cork City Council introduced a bylaw, I believe it was 1997, where uh, drinking on the Streets in a non-licensed area, in other words, which, let me explain further, which is why when a pub or a restaurant applies for seating outside of their area and they get licensed to do that, well, then that licenses them to be able to have alcohol within that area, not outside of it. So okay. there is a bylaw in city, in Cork City. Uh, it's up to the Gardaí to enforce it, um, whether or which in... These current circumstances, they're taking a different view, but there is a bylaw active in Cork City Council in Cork City um, since 1997. So Martin, the taxi driver, when he used to work nights, he used mm-hmm. to see members of Angarda Shikona physically taking cans of drink away from people. And that was under the bylaw, actually, probably. Yeah, and that bylaw is still there. Well, but yes, th- that doesn't seem to have happened on Saturday. We were told no breaches of regulations were, in- were detected and the Gardaí requested all persons to disperse. Do you think the yeah, bylaw should be used? Well, I do. I, I understand the Gardaí's position because we're in extraordinary times and I suppose they're hoping for people to, you know, adhere to, to common sense and adhere to the regulations. So, 
they're probably taking a, a different view than they would previously with the drinking on the streets. But I have asked, and I put in a request there, that the we have our budget meeting tonight, that the city chief exec might make a very brief statement in relation to the bylaw and the Guardian, how she interacted with them um, during the day to clarify it. But right. it, it's, it is a bylaw, you're, you're 100% that okay. you're... OK, we'll be interested to hear... Correct. We'll be interested to hear you get on with that. Listen, thank you for that, Des, and, and thanks for contacting us. No trouble, Trish. Good Bye. morning to you. Bye-bye. John and Donna says the problem is... Uh, isn't the off-licence, I think is what John is saying. She, John says, I've seen in supermarkets, I've seen one individual go up and buy a drink, €300 Euro worth of drink. Where was that person going? It's treating everybody else, obeying the rules like dirt, according to John in Donnerail. Deirdre in Mahan says these takeaway pints because that's what was evidenced in the video footage from both Dublin City and Cork City there was people very clearly with takeaway drink as you could see it they were in the plastic glasses you know the pint glasses that you get at festivals uh, and concerts etc so there was they were buying takeaway drink from somewhere locally uh, obviously Deirdre and Mahan says if pubs are serving takeaway drink then surely that's where the problem lies and that's where it should be stopped. But under level five, they are, takeaway is allowed, restaurants and that. I don't think, I, I don't know, I get John Paul to check it. I don't know if it's pubs. I think it's like the gastro pubs, you know, that were open beforehand. I think it's because they're allowed to serve food, takeaway food, and they're allowed to do takeaway alcohol as well. I, I'm, I don't, we'll get it checked. Our pubs, just wet pubs, as we've come to know them as, whether they're used, to, whether they're allowed to do takeaway drink or not, um, I don't know. 1850 333 103. And uh, Pat in Formoy says, I would close all off licenses at 5 pm in the evening. I also would not allow the selling of slabs of beer. People also need, needs to be made mandatory whereby people are wearing masks while outside not just in indoor uh, settings particularly where you have crowds gathering we're all looking forward to having some kind of a Christmas while we're doing that the Americans are looking forward to their Thanksgiving at the end of this month but according to Pat Canada has already had their Thanksgiving and now they're in trouble because of it and their hospitals are full we need to watch what is going to happen in this country if we open up and allow a big Christmas to happen we are only looking for trouble 1850 333 103 uh, John Paul taking the calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 um, level 5 um, that's gatherings um, ok sorry no I'll get back to that after these Egg file mark quid den anihe is farlin. Shae troer C103 air kirkig. On donkey sanctuary, lunahe elis carul in akile mala. Agas azotele kurte kurted. Agas le titimung raw. Terer hulodi sa team plucht all in. Agas boile hassel. Agas mule in a torhala. Oskliahe sibli a nighty agahotau shacht. Habrishes kedavila asal glakoko. Hoshes erinashke hundal shahan. Agas is terminated us na hassel ta ing author er food natide. Turi kurter the donkey sanctuary or the just to clarify, under level five restrictions, wet pubs are allowed to do 
takeaway pints. That's not to say that they're all doing it, but under the restrictions, they are allowed to serve takeaway drink because that's what some people are saying. If the takeaway drink wasn't available, would those crowds have gathered in the city? Someone else is pointing out that it wasn't just last Saturday. It was the second Saturday night in a row that large crowds have been spotted around uh, the city. But one listener is saying many people were bringing their own drink it wasn't, they weren't all buying takeaway drink. Christine in Cork though reckons three quarters of pubs are open for takeaway in Cork. She says that's the problem. Gardaí should be shutting them down. That's what's drawing the crowds. But if they're allowed to do takeaway drink, then they're not in any way breaching any of the regulations. Somebody on social media over the weekend described the scenes on the South Mall to the Magaluf Strip. And according to Cork Bio online, somebody else was suggesting that the Cork city centre at the weekend that some kind of a curfew should be introduced that nobody should be allowed onto the city centre streets from from say after 10pm at night wonder how people would feel about a curfew being introduced. 1850-333-103. I'll come back to your comments because I want to move to a different issue because Cork County Council has signalled a new get tough policy with utility companies that dig up roads and footpaths but then fail to carry out proper reinstatement works within a reasonable time frame. To discuss this issue in more detail, I'm joined by North Cork Fine Gael Councillor John Paul O'Shea. Good morning to you, John Paul. Good morning Patricia and good morning listeners. And firstly, thank you to you for your lovely card that I received on Friday. You're fine. Congratulations on, on 30 great years, Patricia. And uh, I said on behalf of us all in Cork County Council, we want to wish you well and uh, fingers crossed for another 30. Uh, don't say that. I'm <laughs> 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 my Zimmer frame. Anyway, uh, this problem with the digging up of roads and footpaths and then not no proper reinstatement, is this a widespread problem? Are, are some utility companies better or worse than others? Yes, well, firstly, I want to thank my colleague, Councillor Noel Collins from Middleton, who brought this motion to full council, uh, producer, and two weeks ago, and it has been aired on the on the the, the national print media uh, since. And I've been raising it at North Cork level myself for the last number of months, particularly into some some utility companies that just really aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Um, every utility company that needs to dig up the road for uh, a connection to a service um, and to create a new connection to a new uh, customer, etc., that has to apply to Cork County Council for a road opening license. And subject to that, there's conditions to that. So, like, if they if they do dig up the road to put in a new connection, and uh, they do have to reinstate the road the way they got it within a specific time frame. And sadly, some utility companies are not doing that. Yeah, I know a lot of people that will contact us here in the program, John Paul, get very frustrated if a road has been beautifully resurfaced by the council and then suddenly gets dug up by a utility company. Is there joined up planning when the council is deciding to resurface a road? Well, sadly, in the last number of years, we've seen a decline in the in the number of, uh, I suppose, coordinated planning events that takes place with utility companies and Cork County Council. Certainly, I think, uh, since Cork County Council uh, no longer takes care of the water services, it's now with Irish Water. Uh, we've seen a, a significant decline in that particular service uh, on its own, uh, because, as you know, before 2014, we were responsible for uh, water services, and now that's the responsibility of Irish Water uh, in conjunction with ourselves. But we see a, a significant deterioration. Uh, in planning in, in that front. I mean, you know, at the moment we're proceeding uh, with creating, uh, I suppose, a three-year road programme uh, for Cork County Council so we'd know exactly which roads are going to be upgraded in the next three years and that's going to be forwarded to the Department of Transport and it's going to be approved by them and then circulated down again to, to, to Cork County Council. And we would like to link in with the likes of Irish Water and other utility companies 
to ensure that any planned, say, rehabilitation works that Irish Water is going to take place would take place in conjunction with the roadworks or, or hopefully before before Cork County Council does the works. But there will be times, particularly with water services, Patricia, where we'll have a leak and yeah. there's, there's no doubt that it's an emergency and it wasn't planned and that that will happen. But certainly we'd like to move to a situation in Cork County Council uh, where we would have, I suppose, engagement with utility companies uh, such as Irish Water, uh, such as the telecommunications um, services now, such as people like the National Broadband Plan, um, National Broadband Ireland, who are going to be rolling out broadband um, you know, to the entire country in the next uh, five to seven years. So we'd like to see more communication with Cork County Council and other local authorities on that front. And that was, that was the, the trust of the motion. Can you force a utility company to come back and repair a road or a footpath if you, you think it's been left in, in a condition that's just not acceptable? Yes, but it's not about four three so We're trying to coordinate an, a coordinated approach with them uh, to ensure, I suppose, that it is part of their opening, road opening licence agreement with Cork County Council, that they must reinstate the road the way they got it. Sadly, unfortunately, some utility companies aren't doing that. And we had a recent case, I think it was mentioned in the, in the press article, where in one of the instances in North Cork, we, we refused to um, give any more road opening licences to one utility company until they fixed there was, I think, seven or eight items uh, in the town uh, that needed to be fixed first, and we refused to give that road open lessons until they were repaired. And we don't want to go in a situation... Did it work? It did. <laughs> it, was, it was repaired within seven days. But unfortunately, Patricia, people who apply for it, like yourself, you could apply for a new connection, uh, your connection is delayed. Ah, because of course. Of and I feel, I suppose, as public representatives, we have to hear both sides of the story. We have to hear the constituent side of the story. And we have to hear the utility side of the story. And sadly, I suppose, you know, what we don't want to see is customers like, um, you know, new businesses starting up in towns uh, that want a new connection uh, right outside their door. Uh, be it a gas connection, be it a utility, um, a telecommunications connectivity uh, issue. And we can't, I, I wouldn't like to see um, them being refused or delayed opening because of that. So mm. We're asking utility companies to work with us as Cork County Council. The Director of Roads, Padraig Barrett, is, is writing to these uh, utility companies to seek a better approach. And certainly I think we will be writing to Irish Water as well to seek a better approach going forward for them. Unfortunately, Patricia, we have road reinstatements going back as far as 2019 that haven't been reinstated by Irish Water and we're heading into 2021. So, I mean, it, we have a service level agreement with them, uh, which means that they must reinstate the road uh, within a certain time frame. That time frame has well passed in many cases. Uh, so there is an issue there with Irish Water and I'm glad to see that the council executive has taken it up. OK, John says, what about the county council getting tough on landowners who allow water and mud and dirt and dirty water flow onto roads and also prevent rainwater from draining off the public road onto their lands. We have plenty of laws but little enforcement, says John. Uh, I suppose the, it, it's very dependent on the different area but certainly my own area, Patricia, where I represent in Kenturk and, and Charleville, we have a very good relationship with our area engineers and they have a very good relationship with the landowners and I suppose when we are draining a road, uh, if there's any particular issues, the area roads engineer will discuss that with the landowners and, you know, there is the Roads Act there if... Um, if, they, if it needs to be taken down that legal route. Uh, but in the majority of times, uh, Patricia, 99% of the time, we get great cooperation from our landowners and our farmers in the area. And I'd like to see that continue. And I'd like to see that the agreement approach that we are doing would continue. And certainly if there's particular issues that your listener has uh, in relation to a particular area, I'd like him to contact uh, you know his local area roads office to, to discuss that. Because certainly, well, I mean, we want to keep as much water off the road as possible. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to make sure that the road um, stays in good condition for a long Yeah, because we had a lot of dangerous driving conditions with surface water last week. And we've the amount of rain that fell. Water, Patricia, and there's a huge amount of natural springs coming up now in places that were never uh, coming up before. I see it myself uh, over the weekend. So I said, like, you know, we just ask, uh, I suppose, uh, constituents to have uh, an urge of caution when they are driving the routes because sometimes, you know, there is water on the particular road that usually isn't there but because of the high levels of water now and uh, the springs are rising. So, like, to bring those to our attention, the attention of Cork County Council, and we'll try and address those as quickly okay. as possible. And just finally, another issue that we often get complaints about to the programme is the workmen leaving behind, you know, the men at work road signs. Yes. They're not, you know, and it's always the council get blames, blamed, but that, they're not necessarily council men at work signs, are they? No, so like, I mean, everybody, every utility company that we're talking about just there, uh, but you should have to have the, the appropriate road signage as well. So like, not all men at work signs are for Cork County Council. They would be for people that are working in utilities as well, uh, be it um, telecommunications companies, Irish Water, etc. That, and I suppose, unfortunately, uh, sometimes when they're left behind, sometimes they're overgrown, they're thrown over the ditch, yeah. and then the tidy towns or the, the, the community associations find them uh, next year. And it is very frustrating, and we do like to see that uh, if a job is complete, and that's the whole, uh, I suppose, note of the issue here this morning, is that if it's complete in a timely manner, the likes of the signs will be taken away and finished. Uh, but when you have a job that lingers on for a year, year and a half, Patricia, that is very, very difficult. And, you know, certain times, like Cork County Council has to come back to that, um, you know, um, digging up uh, uh, three or four times in any 12 months and to repair it temporarily until the utility company comes back. And that is a pure waste of money uh, because the reality is there, if the utility company digs it up, it should be reinstated within three to four weeks maximum. Uh, and then when it's not done, Cork County Council is left to, I suppose, maintain that on a temporary basis until it's done permanently. OK, well, let's hope this tough, get tough policy works. In the meantime, John Paul, thank you for that. Good and morning. thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. That is North Cork Councillor John Paul O'Shea. C103 has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask. Save time and money by only having to do your eye makeup. Forgot to shave? No problem. You're covered. It's easier to avoid an X because they probably won't recognise you. However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. We're masking for a friend. Thank you. From C103. According to Friends of the Environment, a national plan is now needed to combat the growth of rhododendron, which is strangling the life out of flora and fauna in places such as the Killarney National Park. Tony Lowe's of Friends of the Environment joins me. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning to you. Now, rhododendron, you call it the smiling assassin. It can look glorious when it's in full bloom, but outline the effect it's having. What happens with it is that it spreads very rapidly. So that they originally brought in this rhododendron ponticum into Ireland, in fact, in Doreen Gardens, which is part of the West Cork Garden Trail. And there are some magnificent examples of rhododendrons there. But they're actually transmitted. They, they, they reproduce by, by seed blowing in the wind. Now, we're all aware of uh, um, other, other invasive species, that, that w- which are done by spread the splitting of the roots and how they undercome our foundations and houses and so on. But this one is rather more subtle because what happens is the seed flies on the wind up to a mountainside and settles and one rhododendron grows out. Now, if you spotted that rhododendron, you'd be able to pull it up by hand. But if you have a look at uh, Killarney National Park or the V in Tipperary, you'll see what happens 
when these beautiful plants get going, they will cover everything. And they actually go into a forest, for instance, and cover the ground story so that no young forest trees can grow up through this thick, impenetrable layer of rhododendron. They're also, unfortunately, poisonous. So no plants, no, no animals will eat them, and, and, and they can uh, have warnings going with them if, if you have, say, bees that are eating their pollen. And are, so are we losing native species, particularly native trees, because of them? Absolutely. We're losing vast tracts of our own natural environment, which is developing in its own way. And it's being overtaken by these, uh, these well, this plague, I think you would call it, really, but the problem is that, I mean, what struck us from people calling us and telling us, finding, finding them around the country, because there's an awful lot of them, is that they are an invasive species. And so the National Biological Records Center has a place where you can record these invasive species. And if you have a look at the map, you'll see that people have been recording them from all over the country. But then nothing happens. The record just kind of dies on the, on the database. And what we're suggesting is now here we've got this uh, contact point that we should introduce a, a, a trace, a contact tracing system, so that we can then go and deal with these outbreaks when they're very small. And it's just a matter of coordination between government departments. It's not a huge expense. But if we don't do it, we're going to find that the problem gets worse and worse and worse all around the country. Do you think it could be a bigger problem than the Japanese knotweed that we often speak about on this programme? I think the Japanese knotweed has an immediate economic knock-on. And that puts it in a slightly different category. Your house uh, value of your house could decrease enormously if there's Japanese knotweed. It has that, uh, whereas the rhododendron tends to be more a matter for our natural environment, uh, our, our hills, our countryside, and our forests. And those people, I don't think, have quite the same react, quite understandably, don't have quite the same uh, concern about. But certainly anyone who loves nature and loves our countryside must be very worried about what's happening. Is it a difficult plant to get rid of? Once it's in there, it is very difficult. There's a program called Groundwork in uh, Kalani National Park, and the, the actual park service themselves, they, you know, you have to cut them down, you have to treat the stumps. And I drive by one field where I watched them take it down, maybe 10, 12 years ago. That's just as bad now. Wow. You know? And that's because of the seeds blowing in the wind and... Yeah, and when you actually get, when it gets established then, of course, it's roots spread out all around the place and you've got a, you know, you've got a root problem as well. But uh, it's mainly these, the, you know, spotting and, and walkers in particular, I think, would be good for this because they are all around our countryside and they have keen eyes for nature. And I think they would be encouraged to report these things if they thought anything would happen. But nobody's going to go to the bother of reporting something if it just isn't going to go anywhere. Uh, Liz says, surely the Japanese, uh, the, uh, no, Liz says, sorry, what, what is worth is ragwort. That is seriously out of control. Yes, and the ragwort is uh, somewhat, it has a few things that live on it uh, that, that, that uh, are uh, uh, slightly beneficial. And it tends to sort of self-regulate. It's not, it's not quite as straightforward as that. But I agree with you that ragwort is an invasive species, and farmers are required to remove it from their land. OK, but you reckon the National, the National Parks um, and Wildlife Service, they are trying to work on the rhododendron problem? I think in the major areas they're trying to work on, like in the, in the park in particular, in our, our National Protected Parks, they're working on it. But I don't see any, any sign of them uh, dealing with it when it, uh, when it seeds itself, on, on, particularly in remote areas, which might not be visible. 
But you keep an eye out from the road, and you may see just that one flowering rhododendron. Think to yourself that this is not a blessing. Yeah, because but they are, as I say, you know, when you look at pictures, when I knew you were coming on the programme, I was doing a bit of research on them over the, over the weekend. I mean, they're stunning when in full bloom, but it's just, it's it's what they're doing to an area once once it gets in. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And I mean, many people have them in their gardens and they, they actually were introduced in a big way uh, a century after Doreen Gardens had them by the Royal Society in, 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 in London who in turn sent them out to Edinburgh's Botanic Gardens and Dublin's Botanic Gardens. So they came out actually from the Botanic Gardens themselves before they realized that what, what, what might happen. It's a, it's a problem of uh, introducing uh, a, a non-native species. You just do not know the impact they are going to have. Yeah, yeah. OK, listen, Tony, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Not at all, it's a yeah, pleasure. Good morning to you, Tony Lowe's there, our friends of the environment. And thank you to Christine in Cork, who earlier sent in a text when we were talking about drinking on the streets and I misunderstood her text. I thought she said three quarters of the pubs are opening are open in the city centre and that's why people are congregating there. But it wasn't three quarters. What she was saying was three or four pubs are open every night in Cork. It's a very small number that are offering this takeaway service, but the very fact that it's there offering the takeaway service according to Christine that's what's encouraging people uh, to come in and to uh, congregate and we were talking about roads with Councillor John Paul O'Shea and in particular some of the utility companies not repairing the roads and even the footpaths and footpaths in the condition that they were before they did the work that they needed to do and then somebody was on about the farmers leaving too much allowing water and mud and dirty water flow out onto the road a listener says the road by the well bar in Lombardstown towards the graveyard is in a terrible condition. Somebody should do something about cleaning it up. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of commentary to do with drinking on the streets and people drinking too much and people breaching the restrictions. Sheila in North Cork says, I don't drink. But Sheila says, I think they should open the pubs and bars again. It would stop all this drinking on the street. My son works in the city and he says to me that the majority of people are having house parties in, in the city. He said this carry on continues and it will uh, continue. If it doesn't stop, we will never have Christmas this year. Also with off licences and supermarkets open, there's no control on the amount of drink that's purchased or how it's been drunk. I feel open the bars. At least if you open the bars, there would be some kind of controlled drinking. And Norma on the city drinking both in Dublin and in Cork got on to us and she's one of the people who has suggested should we have a curfew in place and how will people feel about a curfew a curfew for all. They've introduced this in other countries whereby everyone has to be off the streets by nine, ten o'clock whatever it is and say between ten at night say and six in the morning nobody's let out on, on the streets except if you're stopped for essential services obviously but everybody else needs to stay at home. How would people feel? We've never, in all of the restrictions that have been brought in by the government in Neffet, I haven't, they've never suggested a curfew. Is it time for a curfew? We're actually doing a poll on Twitter on Norma's suggestion at C103 Cork uh, 
C103 Cork on Twitter if you want to vote on that. Would you be in favour of, of a curfew or against it? I'll be really interested in seeing the results of that and we should have that. We'll have it before. I'll let you know how that particular poll is going on Twitter before the close of the programme today. And just on the city drinking, the Taoiseach Michal Martin has said he's extremely annoyed, extremely concerned by the scenes witnessed in Cork and Dublin city centres over the weekend. And he said the government will look at changing the law on takeaway drinks as a matter of urgency. Watch this space. Okay, some of your texts coming in to us. Let me check some of the traditional text messages. It's as simple as this. Open the pubs and have people drinking in a controlled environment or have them on the streets. It's a no-brainer, says a Boherbui listener. Hi, uh, Patricia. Your listener who suggested beating people off the street, this was somebody who had suggested earlier that the Gardaí were taking a very timid approach in requesting people to disperse. And we were saying they should be out with their batons. Didn't say beating them off the streets, but that's, I suppose, what was inferred by the text. This listener is not impressed with that and says, this is Ireland. This is not China. This is not Russia. We do not live in a dictatorship. Where are these kids supposed to go to meet, says this texter. Uh, The virus is 99% non-fatal. A normal flu is as contagious. Tony Houlihan knows well. Lowering numbers is temporary. World leading scientists are baffled as the virus is not the issue. It's the immune response to the uh, virus. Yeah, but unfortunately... uh, it, it is still killing people. We can't st- get away from the fact that people in vulnerable at-risk groups are dying because of COVID-19 and our hospitals get swamped and therefore people with other conditions don't, don't get treated. So we can't just say, let it run riot. Other countries have looked at that, looked at this herd immunity and have come back and said, actually guys, no, that is not going to work at all. So we have to do something. We have to put restrictions in place while we await a uh, vaccine. Pat Mallow says, uh, Patricia, to ask two or three people to go home, this is the Gardaí, that's one thing. But to ask a gathering of over a thousand people to go home is quite something else, says uh, Pat. A takeaway pint, says another drink, would need a lid in order to transport it. it. They shouldn't be allowed to pull pints and serve them where they know the people are just going to go outside the door to drink them. Those at the top are bonkers. Yeah, they were. They may be reviewing it, listening to the Taoiseach's comments that I mentioned there and that has come out in the last few hours. Hi, Patricia. A power hose of water should be turned on them, says another listener. A texter says, a licence always covered a certain measure of a property. I, someone, If someone had an injury due to a fall, would they sue the council or the public? I'm amazed at how restaurants have been allowed to take over footpaths and public walkways. This is, you know, when they put out tables and chairs when they were allowed to serve outdoors. How can that be uh, legal? Well, I know the council got involved in making areas available for outdoor dining and that was something that was done because of COVID and there was funding allowed for it. So that's why it's nothing illegal in what they particular businesses are doing. Uh, they're doing it with the backing of the council. Now this is this is lovely. This is from Mavis and John, two of our listeners. With regard to people coming home for Christmas, the authorities ought to restrict flights in and out of Ireland. We haven't seen our family in England since February, but we prefer to stay safe. Hopefully we'll be able to get back eventually. And when you're in your 70s or your 80s, a year can be a long time. At least we have each other. Some poor souls will be on their own. We're doing this in the hope of living a longer life. 
And that's from Mavis and John, some of our older listeners. Stay safe, Mavis and John, and uh, we, we wish you good health. Martin in Formoy says, Patricia, drinking in public places like streets has been going on in Formoy for years, usually over by the Queen of the Peace Church and also in the town park. I've seen people with their drink walk over the bridge and go to the park and they do that in daylight hours. It isn't anything new. Somebody else is suggesting a curfew on younger people from seven to seven. How would people feel about that? To write, says this texter, force should be used to disperse what this texter called those fools that were out drinking on the streets. Ask politely, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. They probably only went to somebody else's house to carry on with their drinking. It is disgraceful. Hi, Patricia. After the carry on at the weekend, doesn't it just go to show how pointless it is to keep asking the government when will this or that restriction be lifted when we have selfish idiots ruining it for everyone? Very sad to think people can care so little for others. There's no compassion. Yet they'll be the prob- probably the first to shout, poor me, when something goes wrong or some of the restrictions are affecting them. Shame on them. Uh, John in Butterfront, Patricia, I think it was, oh, I read that one out. That was um, John saying it was very nice of the Gardaí to politely ask them. Uh, John was the one who said they should have been out there in their riot gear. And some of your WhatsApps in a different John says, Patricia, we're blue in the face from saying close the off licenses down. Drink is a lot to answer for in this country. It's like COVID itself. We don't see firsthand the trouble it causes. We love drinking and talking Talking rubbish in this country. Look at what went on in Dublin and in Cork City. It's a disgrace. The Gardaí should have arrested the lot of them. We are a fair shower of fools when it comes to drink in this country. And the motto seems to be, sure, we'll have a drink and it'll all be okay. That is from uh, John. And then another listener says, why are people trying to spoil Christmas? If people are worried about this virus, then let them have a bare Christmas by staying in and locking themselves indoors. Sorry now, the government are making so much out of this. There are other people out there with other illnesses and they won't be able to have a Christmas. Life needs to go on. We need to learn to live with the virus. And I think that's... That's the one thing that we all have to do. We somehow have to learn to live with the virus. Okay, on rhododendrons that we discussed in the last hour with the Friends of the Earth. Heidi says, Patricia, rhododendrons, I love them. And you can actually buy them in garden centres. So why are people not told about the seeds and how they're populating the countryside, said Heidi. Never heard that there was a problem with it until she heard me speak with Tony Lowe's this morning. And someone else is saying pretty much the same thing. Mary says, Patricia, with regard to the rhododendron, they're in abundance on the journey to the V, which is located by Clahine and Ballyporeen and actually Tony Lowe's mentioned the V and the National Park in Killarney are the two areas that are most affected by the rhododendron. I like to admire its beautiful bloom. There's actually a hill walking rhododendron festival up around the V where walkers take to the trails while the plants are in bloom. I will have a different opinion on it from now on. Yeah, that is the problem. Okay, uh, 1850 333 103 on a completely different topic and I'm assuming that this is going to affect a lot of other people. And this is someone, if you have a medical card and you need to go to the dentist. The listener says, morning, Patricia, just something to ask. I was informed by my local de- dentist that they will no longer cater for medical card holders as and from November of this year. They also now want to charge me €40 Euro for a cancelled appointment. I live on disability. I'm very upset by this. And that's from a Bantry uh, listener. It was about two weeks ago, I think. I 
saw a piece from the Irish Dental Association and they were starting to, you know, they have been warning for the last number of months, last couple of years they've been bringing up about medical care patients when it comes to dental care. But it seems dentists are leaving the government funded medical card scheme in their droves. More than 260 dentists have opted out of the scheme since the pandemic uh, began. Uh, The number of private dentists participating in what is the dental treatment services has dropped by 16% and that's over the last 10 months. Now all dentists will say that their cost of doing business has gone up since the pandemic and the agreement to which dentists operate under is a scheme that was signed up many, many years ago. I think it was 1994 was when the scheme that operates for private dentists to cover medical cards and dentists themselves have been giving out, have been saying they're not getting enough, they're not getting paid enough. When they somebody comes in on a medical card, they treat them and then obviously they go back. The government pay a fee for every patient a private dentist treats. But they, The dentists are arguing that it was first introduced in 1994. They say it's outdated and it fails to cover the cost of treating patients. So because of that, many dentists are opting out of the scheme. So your dentist isn't the only dentist uh, to do it. Has our others been affected by it? What I would say to that listener in Bantry who has contacted us, check around and see if there's another dentist that you can go can go to who is still operating under the medical card scheme failing that get onto the HSC see what advice they can can give you I don't know what you're going to what you can do about being you obviously cancelled an appointment and now they're charging you and obviously that's what they charge private patients if they cancel an appointment is it within 24 hours? I don't know. I certainly, I know my own dentist, I, I don't know if they have a charge for a cancelled appointment. And I recently had to cancel an appointment within 24 hours and I certainly wasn't charged. I made another appointment a couple of weeks later and, and went back, but I, there was no mention of a cancellation fee. So I don't know if it's just a particular dentist that you're with or not. Well, we'll give it out to see our others affected in the same way. 1850 333 103. And then a listener is looking for a bit of help. Let's see if we can help out this listener. Hi Patricia and John Paul congratulations on your fantastic show last Friday thank you take a bow John Paul yeah our star producer he was really a star last week in the show he put together. Anyway Noreen says I was wondering if anyone has any idea where I could get the copy of an old book by Ina Blyton. Oh my God I remember reading, reading Ina Blyton the famous five when I was a child. This particular book is called Bimbo and Topsy. I've checked a few bookshops but no joy and by the way I'm not great with online searches no problem if you're busy I just thought a chance asking ah, no problem at all Noreen anybody know where our Noreen can get a copy of Ina Blyton's Bimbo and Topsy I don't know how old that book is or if it even is still in print I know some of the Ina Blyton books they put them back into reprint but I'm assuming they're the more popular ones I don't know if Bimbo and Topsy was one of Ina Blyton's more popular ones or not but we'll give it out see if any listener can help out this listener looking for uh, Nori looking for an old Ina Blyton book 1850 333 103 C103 Jobs General Assistant is wanted for a busy scrap metal recycling yard that's in the North Cork area. Experience in motor trade and plant machinery would be an advantage but full training is to be provided. Apple Green Mallow they're looking for a retail forecourt site manager. 
while an apprentice toolmaker is required for work in a Charleville. And Nazareth House Nursing Home in Mallow, they are currently recruiting healthcare assistants. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You always know when the festive season is finally upon us, when the holly bell starts to go on sale in your local newsagent. To chat about this year's edition, I'm joined by the Holly Bow editor, and that of course is John Dolan. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and congratulations. Another superb uh, edition. What number edition is it this year? Oh gosh, it's the fact for your kind word, Patricia. Yeah, it's 123 years old this year now. It's such a great tradition in Cork, isn't it? And uh, I think this year, particularly, we were, we were very anxious for uh, to get it out there and get positivity, a little bit of positivity about Christmas and the year we've had. It's been dreadful enough for some people, so it's great to get something out there, which is traditional, isn't it? And it's become a fixture of, of the Cork Christmas. Yeah, and as it says on the cover, it's a Cork tradition since 1897. Yes, I know. No pressure. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny, you know, we went into lockdown in March and I had a call from our Oliver Plunkett Street office to say people were sticking their head in the door saying, will there be a holly bell this year in March ah, isn't before that, Easter? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that really sweet? And of course, I always love to look, and I look at it in great detail, the cover. Talk to me about this year's cover because it is stunning. Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, yeah, the, the one thing we wanted with that cover this year was something really just sweet and positive and upbeat, you know, for Christmas, you know, and nothing too sentimental or nostalgic because we just wanted to, to say, hey, Christmas, it's fun, it's great and positive. And the, the artists this year, we, we have a different artist from Cork every year. There's such a wealth of artistic talent in our city and county, it's unbelievable. This is Jason O'Gorman, um, who designed this year's cover. Jason's uh, just really well known on social media, especially. He, he He's well known for drawing famous people in Cork City like the Joker or Tiger King or, or, or mm-hmm. even King Kong um, and so he's, he loves Cork he's a great Cork man himself um, and yeah he, he, I had a chat with him early in the summer <laughs> would you believe and uh, yeah we both put our heads together and, and he, you know, he came up with this wonderful So do you, do you give him a brief as to what, you, what your vision is or how does it work? So, yeah it depends really you know sometimes I have quite a firm fixture I think you know we've not done this for a while or we, we should do this for a, you know instead you know we, we try and do something a bit different every year but you know Generally speaking, the, the artist, you know, really, it's it's their it's their baby, it's their it's their page essentially. Um, and I think the only conversation I had with Jason, he had a few ideas anyway when I approached him. Um, and the only thing that we both agreed on was we said, look, let's just get something really positive and, and upbeat because you know this was an early in the year, but we already knew then that we didn't know what kind of Christmas we were going to have, but we knew it would have been a tough year for some people by by the end of it. So yeah, I think that was the only thing that that drove us. And then yeah, yeah Jason came up with this wonderful, wonderful and, thing and you that. definitely have achieved that for people who haven't uh, seen it. It's Santa and his reindeer, and Rudolph is out the front and he's dashing across uh, the night sky. It's just it it really is stunning, and I love the idea that you always use a local artist that's important to you yeah it is very much so and you know we, we went through we went through you go through phases with the Hollybout covers when you go back to the, the 60s for instance they're quite religious and iconic religious um, illustrations and then um, when I took over as editor we used we took an old photograph and just gave it a little bit of colour and a bit of life um, but yeah I just you know I think a few years ago I just thought it was time for a bit of a freshen up um, and yeah I mean we've, we've had this is I think the fourth or fifth year of it and it's just great to have so many good artists around and there's no shortage of them out there it's, we're so lucky to have so much great poo of talent on our doorstep. And the tradition, John, of sending it around the world, I think more important than ever this year. 
well, isn't it just, yeah, with the year we've had and, and the Christmas that we're about to face as well. Yeah, the, I mean, it, it's always been not just about Cork itself, but the diaspora around the world. Um, and I think that goes back for many, many generations, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, well, one of, the, one of the, the most popular parts of the Hollybow is the photo gallery we have showing big people, you know, either on holiday or who've moved away to somewhere like Canada or Australia or America. Um, and it's just a nice bit of, you know, they take a picture of them in, in, in their home place on a beach, maybe on Christmas Day or, you know, a different kind of, a, you know, in front of a famous iconic bridge or building. Um, and they send in the pictures. And then, you know, as I say, this year it was a bit unusual because I didn't expect many photographs at all. Uh, because people weren't going away but you know sure enough we still had plenty from before lockdown and and even in the summer i put out a call and said look if, if you want a picture with the holly bow in ireland you know do if you, if you want on staycation or if you just want to do it from home then send in a photograph and quite a few people did that as well so it's a great way of keeping in touch with with everyone and uh, and it's also a great way of just showing people who read the holly bow you know this is this is not just a, a cork thing it's this is this goes all everywhere I, I, and i have to say it's it's one of my favorite i think it's probably the first thing i always look at when I get the yeah. bow. I just love looking at the photographs and looking at them in great detail and there's just you know there's ones as you said that would have been taken on Christmas Day there's there's a family like in their Christmas pyjamas and there's very obviously a newborn baby it's uh, yeah. it's Tony Murphy Kenneth and Alana Hawthorne and baby KJ it's obviously it's a newborn baby it was the baby's yes yeah, little baby's first Christmas and yeah. it was it was from America and then you know on the opposite page again in America a couple originally from Rathgormack, now living in New York, and on their daughter's first Holy Communion in <laughs> Long Island, they brought the holly bow along with them and took a photograph. And I just thought the thought that went into that, because that obviously happened at some stage during the summer, yeah. and they thought yeah. about, we'll, we'll use that holly, holly bow, it's, it's terrific. So, just when you are sending it off to people to say to them, get your photographs, I think you could get inundated next year, John. Oh, well, I, I very much <laughs> expect so, Patricia, yeah. I, do you know, I, lo- I love getting those. But I get them all year round. Uh, I've already had quite a few for next year's edition already. I love it, especially when people bring it to weddings. So you'll have a wedding party of maybe 30 <laughs> people. And, you know, you can just imagine the photographer saying, OK, we'll take a picture of, you know, we'll take a picture of that and all in together. And then suddenly someone says, oh, and the holly bow. And you imagine the photographer saying, sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, and so there it is, the holly bow on a wedding day. It's, it's, it's a brilliant. member of the family. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Great, it's it, great it, it really is brilliant. <laughs> now, to just to take a look at um, some of uh, the articles. I mean, there's just so, so many. I mean, just one thing, when... How do you suggest people read the Holly Bout? Do you suggest they read it cover to cover or is, is it a dip in and out sort of a publication? I just think, you know, however you want to do it yourself. I mean, but, I, you know, one of the things that gives me most pleasure is sometimes, you know, in January, February, even in Easter, I'll get an email from someone saying, oh, I've just finished reading the Holly Bout. Yeah. And I think, wow, that's fabulous. You know, that, that's great. It's value for money, I guess you'd say. Yeah, I, I would suggest read it from cover to cover, you know, don't miss anything out. But look, you know, at Christmas, you know, people put it down, don't they, on the coffee table. And they might just pick it up when there's nothing on the box or they put the phone down for a few minutes and um, just dip in and out. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's, it just depends on entirely on, on how you want to do it. I mean, it's there to be read from cover to cover, I guess you could say. Yeah, but, and it's, it's, as always, a great big publication. You never have any problem filling it, do you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Patricia, do you know, I always say I could fill two holly bows. Oh, you know, wow. easily. Um, Isn't that great? And, and the quality of the content would, would be there, you know. It's, it's a shame, but, you know, there's an awful lot of good articles that get sent um, that just unfortunately don't see light of day because, you know, and they probably deserve to because, you know, they, they have everyone has their own story, I always say, and every story is unique. OK, looking at some of the articles and items making this year's uh, publication, 
we of course are living through a pandemic at the moment but the good people of Cork previously lived through a polio epidemic back in the 50s. Yeah, 1956. Now, one of the things I thought earlier in the year was I didn't want to, I didn't want to go too overboard on anything COVID-related, or because I just thought, you know, people want to break from all that. But having said all of that, it was a great, a very opportune time to actually look back at the polio panic of 1956, which affected Cork City particularly. Um, and we spoke to quite a few people. We spoke to a nurse, Jenny Kelleher. Um, now she's uh, she was working at St Finbar's Hospital in 1956, so she was right at the front line of the whole thing, um, and she's given her own memories. And it was it was amazing the parallels between this year's COVID and that year's polio. You know the fact that children would stayed home from school, the parents wouldn't let them go out. You know um, shops closed, cinemas closed. You know the parallels were were, were really stark. Um, and you know it was it was almost as if saying you know look okay this is a very unusual year we've had. But it's happened before, and we've dealt with it before, and we got through it before. So, um, you know, so it was very interesting. I and mean, as I say, Jenny, Jenny was a nurse, and she's given her memories of that's good. Um, it's a lovely article. It's a, yeah, it's a lovely really article. good. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, t- uh, two years ago, we did an outside broadcast on the Grand Parade, of which you came in and to, to yeah. speak to the the Hollybell, <laughs> and we had the wonderful Catherine Mahan Buckley, who was talking about Panto that year. Mm. Uh, you've no Panto this year, but you, you've got Catherine to write a piece. Yeah, well, I, I met Catherine for the first time that day. For oh, was yourself, it? Patricia, yeah. yeah. I, I'd had spoken to her before, but never actually met her in the, in the flesh. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was funny because we, we both had this kind of thing going on where, you know, our Christmas starts at Easter for the Holly Bower and for her pants or even before Easter. Um, you know, so we're spending all year at Christmas, if you like. Um, but yeah, I just felt this year, I know that when they announced there were no pantos, I actually cont- I reached out to Catherine and said, look, um, you know, how about some, some lovely memories of your pantos down the years? So, so Catherine did a lovely piece, really funny, actually. You can imagine some of the, some of the anecdotes and stories she's had from pantos in the last gosh, 20, 30 years. Give us some of her stories. Tell us well, some of them. Yeah, one of my favourite ones is Alice in Wonderland a few years ago. Now, now Catherine's mother um, um, actually was, was playing the Queen of Hearts. And during the, the actual panto, uh, the White Rabbit is supposed to give the Queen of Hearts a clout with a belt. But on this particular instance, it gave a bit too much of a clout. Uh, and unfortunately, <laughs> um, the Queen of Hearts had to be taken to hospital just for a precautionary check. Um, and you can imagine the scene when, when um, the Queen of Hearts is dressed as the Queen of Hearts in the hospital saying, oh, I got hit on the head by a white rabbit. <laughs> you know, you can imagine the doctor saying, OK, it's the screen. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, and, and, and Catherine also shares lots of uh, comments about, you know, some of the some of the, the shouts that children will do during the pantos. Yeah, you know. which are brilliant. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting stuff. And, and also, interestingly, Catherine talks about a young Sarah Green um, being involved in the pantos in court when she was young. And of course, Sarah has now got on to great things, hasn't she, in yeah. dramas? And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Recently absolutely. In, the, in the it, all, it all started in, in the panto. And Catherine and the panto gang will be back again. They will, oh, be, they, they, they will be back with us. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Let's hope next year, you know, you'd yeah. be hopeful at this stage, wouldn't you, that, that next year we'll have a bit more normality. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a, a very different Christmas when you, when you join us this time next year. Talk about next year's edition of the, of the Holly Bell. Now, I mentioned only last, last week, the week before, was the first anniversary of the passing of one of our broadcasting icons, uh, Gay Byrne. And of course, the Holly Bell would have been published at that stage when he just passed mm. away. So you're not letting the moment pass without remembering him. 
Oh no, we couldn't do. Yeah, you're right. He, he died just after last year's Hollybell was was uh, was on the streets. So yeah, I mean, what we did this year was we did a lovely tribute, and I'm indebted actually to Linda Kenny. And Linda's a very well known singer in Cork, but um, she's obviously been amongst those many artists in Cork who have been, you know, who've not been able to work in the last, you know, several months. So I asked Linda if she could maybe do a few articles for me for the Hollybell, and she really did a great job for me. She did a great piece. She interviewed Breffney Hogan. Now Breffney's a well known tenor. Um, he's based in England now, but uh, he, he was actually the star of the 1987 toy show with Gayburn, uh, where he sang a version of Oh Holy Night, which is really well-known Cork kind of Christmas anthem, if you like. Oh, yeah. yeah, and he stole the show. He really stole the show. But he did, he did a lovely article. Um, Linda did a lovely article, an interview with Breffney, where he talked about the fact that back in 87, his parents taped the, the toy show he was on. And when he went to watch it, he found that his dad had taped over half of it with a rugby match. <laughs> so, luckily, his own his own particular piece of sad um, didn't didn't escape the cutting, if you like. And he would have uh, been like a young he would have been a boy soprano at that stage. He was. Oh, yeah. he was only a young fella then. Yeah, having yeah. he was only maybe fourteen. He was only he was only a young lad. Um, yeah. But it, it really kind of put him on the map. And I'd say it was a great experience for him as well to to go out on a stage and to perform so well like that in front of you know, mil- millions of people. Um, yeah, yeah so and it's it- funny, when, when I was reading the article in the Hollywood and you've included a photograph taken from uh, the toy show that night, I remembered it. I Actually, I said, really? I, I remember that yeah. young lad. Um, I wasn't even living in Cork at the time, but I remember that young lad singing The Holy Night, one of those goosebump moments, you know, when, yeah. when something really stands out uh, for you. And he's gone on to have his own career. He has. He's now become a tenor in his own right. And he, he talks a bit in the article, actually, about how you know, that particular night, he, he, he kept his nerves in check. He really gave a great performance. His confidence came through. And I think that was a big stepping stone for him, so you can imagine. There's a lovely a little anecdote as well where he talks about how the, the Lord Mayor of Cork at the time, Jerry O'Sullivan, rang him before his appearance and after his appearance. <laughs> um, and he's just saying, you know, isn't that amazing how, how, you know, Cork people can be so kind of, you know, look after each other and, and be so proud when, when, when one of their own does well. Like absolutely, that. absolutely. And of course, Cork Airport, uh, bless their hearts, they're going through a really, really tough time uh, at the moment. But you spoke with the sculpture who did that wonderful Jack Charlton statue at Cork Airport. Yeah, well, of course, you mentioned Gay Byrne and Niall Tobin died as well and Jack Charlton died in the last 12 months and all of these people deserve, you know, to, to be recognised and remembered. And yeah, well, the, it, was, it was quite interesting because obviously the one thing that we know about Big Jack is that the famous statue at the airport. Now, I'm old enough to remember when it was at the old terminal beside the pool, the pond, uh, and it was really kind of iconic then. And it's still at the airport now, but it's, it's probably a little more hidden away. But yeah, we, we spoke to the sculptor of that statue, uh, PJ Herati, um, who's a really interesting guy, and he gave a lovely interview again to Linda Kenny um, about how he came about, how he, how he decided to do this. And he needed to get Jack Charlton on his own for a photo shoot. Now, that wasn't an easy thing at the time because Jack Charlton was involved in a big match and he was in Dublin and the media all wanted a piece of him. But he, he, PJ talks about how he uh, persuaded Jack to sit for him for the, so he could take a few snaps of him. Um, and one of the things he did was he gave him a fishing magazine he'd picked up at his booksellers. <laughs> and he said as, as soon as Jack saw this fishing magazine, he was lost. And PJ just went click, click, click. He had, he had his man in, in the right kind of frame of mind, if you like. Uh, but yeah, it's a, I, think, I, think, I love that statue. I really do. I think it's one of the best statues we have. Um, and it's just Jack uh, sat fishing away there and having a relaxing moment. So yeah, it's just nice to, to salute Big Jack. And as I say, uh, this sculpture had a particularly interesting take, um, which, which all those Carcornians will know well, you know, yeah. from the airport. And so many people have had their photograph taken. With yeah. it as well over over the years, yeah, over the years, yeah, with him with the big fish in his hands. <laughs> and sports, there's a, there's always a huge section mm. on on sport. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the sport is, is so big in Cork, and I think, you know, the, the Hollybow used to be a maximum of 60 pages, so, you know, there wasn't much scope for, for sport in it, but now now we have the, the, the we're allowed to publish 164 pages. It's great to give sport a big old lash at the back, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and obviously one of one of the main things this year, we, which we salute, is Christy Rings, uh, Centenary. Uh, there's some lovely memories of, of people talking about remembering playing against him in matches and just a different side to Christy Ring you know we all know he was a great winner and you know a real kind of physical presence but he, he, he was also capable of being very witty and uh, you know he'd be winding opponents up on the pitch having a bit of a laugh so there's a bit of a different side to him which I thought was quite quite a human side to him which was really interesting and the Diffney ah the Diffney <laughs> where would it be without the Diffney it's just well, well, massively hugely popular isn't it it's Simon Simon Murdoch who does who, who presents the breakfast show here every yeah. year he gets obsessed with the Diffney and he'll be in going did you work out what number 20 is what do you think number 39 is and there'll be much soul searching going on about it what's the history of that and who puts that together well you know it's done by a guy called Jerry Diffney now Jerry, Jerry Diffney runs he has five um, gentlemen's fashion shops around the Dublin area. He doesn't have any in Cork. Um, but uh, many years ago, before I was editor of the Hollybow, I used to go up to my wife's family in Dublin. And Jerry would have this kind of Diffney quiz, which people just used, in those days, they didn't even have the internet. They just used to pick it up from his shops. And, and this is what it was. It was just numbers and letters that you came up with. And he had a little prize. So when I became the editor of the Hollybow, I thought, wouldn't it be lovely to... To um, to have this Diffney quiz in the Hollybow every year, and I reached out to Jerry, and, and he's just a, he's just a star. He's wonderful, um, and I, I keep saying to him, "You should open a shop in Patrick Street or come to Cork, you know, because <laughs> because so many people will, will will you know be you'll be so well got in Cork because of the of the Diffney quiz." Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I think the, the the main thing about it is, I don't I think it's impossible for one person to do. I think you need help. You need generations of people, and of course, at Christmas when we all get together. You know, the teenager may know the rapper, the rapping clue. Absolutely. Or someone else may know the Irish clue. Do you know, so, so somebody might remember something from the 50s. So, you know, you really need that kind of... It's impossible to do it. I defy anyone to do it alone. I mean, I'm, there may be somebody out there, um, but I just think everybody needs a bit of help with the Diffney quiz. Because there's even a few are squale guys, isn't there, as well, in it? Yeah, there yeah. are three or four, you know, in Irish. So, um, and again, so, so you know, you, there might be somebody who, in the family who, who would answer those straight away. Um, and the, the person who gets most of them is scratching their heads. So, yeah, it's, it's a communal thing, I think. I think that's the beauty of the Disney quiz. And like you say, people get obsessed. And they have two months to, to go at it. So, you know, they, they, they can... Sometimes you leave it for a few weeks, come back, and, and it all comes together and you go, oh, yeah, why didn't I know that in the first place? Yeah. And you get many entries? Do many people enter it? Yeah, we get hundreds and hundreds. Do you? Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, or maybe over 500, um, which is extraordinary when you think that a lot of people may, may never get to the end, you know, or they may just forget to do it, you know. But, yeah, it's... it's, it's, um, it's, it's huge uh, take-up and uh, it's a big prize, I guess, you know, as well for it. So, um Everybody wants a few quid uh, in yeah, the new year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course the quiz, the cha- the crossword. Ah, uh, the, the crossword is wonderful as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's again, it's hugely popular, and I love the fact that you know there's lots of local clues in there, you know, as well that uh, only car people would get. Um, and yeah, that, that's uh, Brendan Tracy. Uh, he actually he had a tough year with COVID himself, Brendan. He you know he lost oh. his mother not not to oh. COVID, but. The funeral was was really sad, you know, because there was only allowed it to be a few mourners there, and they, both his children, or his daughter, was due to get married, and that was cancelled. Um, and then his beloved dog died. So poor old Brendan had a tough year of it, which he writes about in the Hollybow. Um, but he'd be well known anyway to people because he's been doing a crossword for, for 
maybe nearly 20 years now, I'd say. Yeah, um, it's, and it's a brilliant crossword. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you can't beat to get, get your teeth into that. Oh, <laughs> you can while away many, many hours. And when yeah, people are talking about... Yeah, put the phone down it, as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, put the phone down and switch the TV off yeah, and the Diffany yeah. and the crossword. I'm telling you, it'll, it'll keep you occupied <laughs> for, for way more than a good afternoon. Listen, Absolutely. as always, uh, John, it's it's a pleasure. Actually, Mark Malone, who's sitting on, in on the breakfast show for this week, because Simon is off, uh, when I mentioned earlier on teeing up the programme that you were going to come on, he was saying they himself and his good wife they already have their copy of the Holly Bell it's at yeah. home they're already going through it and he he was saying it's something that he very much associates uh, with his childhood and growing up he reckons the quality of the paper is much better than what, what it was when he was a child the cover in particular would you yeah. would you know about back copies is the quality better yeah well I just think that that's just technology you know obviously the, the Holly Bell used to be printed on the old printing presses in Academy Street at the back of the examiner and the echo offices and uh, you know those off, those those presses were amazing. They were almost antique by the end of it, but they were very trustworthy. But I know for a fact that it used to take two or three days to print the Holly Bell back in the sixties, seventies. Um, so, so the technology has moved on. We can now have better quality paper, thicker paper, glossier paper, as you can see from the cover. So yeah, it, do, it does get, and, and we can increase the pagination from sixty to one hundred and sixty-four. Ah, so, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's, it's brilliant. he's right though. You know, it's, it's you know it, the quality has improved, and I think people like to keep the Holly Bell in, as a keepsake, and it's this won't. You know, it won't yellow or, or you know. Yeah. Won't, uh, yeah. Well, lots of people saying very fond memories. I love this one. Somebody uh, says, really looking forward to reading the Holly Bell uh, this year. I've been reading it for over 60 years. It brings back lovely memories of my nana. Isn't that yeah. lovely? There, there's something really, lovely, really yeah. sweet about yeah. that. Uh, lots okay. of people saying that they've enjoyed our chat and uh, looking forward to getting their copy uh, this year. Listen, uh, John, it's always a pleasure to have you on the programme. Thank Already you. looking forward to chatting to you about the Holly Bell for Christmas 2021 <laughs> when uh, hopefully it'll be a completely different world that we'll be talking oh, about. Oh, let's hope so. Patricia, can I just say congratulations on 30 years very quickly. Thank yeah, you very I, much. I you, you, it's a great achievement. You're a legend in this, uh, in this uh, city and county. You are <laughs> as kind. You are as kind. Thank you for that. You Stay safe. Thanks, look after yourself bye bye that is uh, John Dolan who is the editor of the Holly Bell as I say it is on sale in all newsagents now and I know many many people love to send it to loved ones all over the world and I think there will be a lot of copies this year uh, unfortunately people who uh, maybe had hoped to come home and read the Holly Bell at home won't be with us this year but you can by sending the Holly Bell out it's a little bit of cork arriving to far flung countries in the world 1850 John Paul is taking your calls. If you have questions for Annalise, our nutritional therapist because she's going to be joining us after 12 today. You can get those in. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Ernie here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here, and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103. And a listener said, never got the Holly Bell before, but I'm going to go out and get it uh, this year. Really enjoyed your chat with the editor of the Holly Bell, the editor, that is uh, John Dolan, one if you've never bought it before you are in for a real real treat you certainly will enjoy it Michael says hi uh, Patricia I heard you mentioning about 
the medical card scheme and the withdrawal of some dentists from the medical card scheme. I'm just wondering, does the withdrawal from the service by some dentists, does that also apply to the PRSI scheme, says Michael? And no, it doesn't. It literally is the medical card scheme that dentists signed up to back in 1994 and the Irish Dental Association has been battling the government on it for a number of years. I mean, it's it's a crisis that has been looming for quite some time but it seems to have really come to a head since uh, COVID-19 and because of that dentists say the cost of their work they are in incurring considerable extra costs since the pandemic be- began and because of that they say some dentists say they can no longer treat medical card patients because they say the cost that they get back when the government pay them a fee for every patient that a private dentist treats they say the dentists say that the cost is not covering the cost of treating the patient and for that reason we have lots and lots of dentists deciding to opt out of the medical card scheme but it doesn't, it's got nothing at all to do with the PRSI scheme that is a completely different scheme but to people by the way who have been affected because obviously now there is a massive knock-on effect for people who are discovering like our listener who's been contacted by his or her dentist to say sorry we're no longer treating medical card patients the, the advice is that you need to source another dentist in your area to see if they're taking on medical card patients. I don't know if they are. They could be closed for medical card patients as well. There obviously is going to be waiting lists for some uh, dentists. I know there are some areas around the country where people are finding it particularly hard to get a dentist if you want to be treated under the medical card. Now Cork isn't on that list at the moment. I know Waterford, Tralee is particularly bad, Dundalk. Port Leash, Galway. I don't know, and parts of Dublin are. I don't know what it's like uh, here in uh, Cork, but uh, certainly a large number of dentists are starting to opt out of the scheme. If you're still having problems sourcing a dentist, I would suggest getting on to the HSE for advice, but it's not, it doesn't in any way affect the PRSI scheme. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed email to the programme to patricia at c103.ie and this, this is to do with an interview that was carried on last last Friday night's Late Late Show. I saw part of the Late Late Show but I didn't see all of it and I didn't see this interview but it's signed by a very upset mother and uh, I'll, I'll read the email to see did others pick up on this? Do others feel as strongly about it? Hi Patricia, I'm writing to you in utter disgust at what I heard on the Late Late Show on Friday night. Ryan Tuberty was interviewing Gabriel Byrne Gabriel Byrne, the actor, didn't see the interview though, so I don't know what the context of this was about. It was on a video call. As part of his conversation to him, he compared a donkey to a person with epilepsy frothing from the mouth. As a mother to my son who has uncontrolled epilepsy and bad ones at that, I could not believe my ears at what he said and Ryan Tuberty listened on. If Ryan or Gabriel Byrne had a family with this condition, would they have made this comparison about their family member in that way? I would ask them to walk in my shoes for just one week and then talk to me about it. This interview was shocking, to say the least. An apology to me and to my son who was listening and to also any other family who was a person with epilepsy and that signed a very upset uh, mother. And as I say, I don't know what the context of it was. It sounded like it was one of those throwaway comments that people don't think, don't stop and think how hurtful a comment like that 
can be to somebody who lives in this case with epilepsy or has a family member who is living with epilepsy. I'm sure that upset and hurt wasn't intended, but the fact, the very fact that the comment was made, it has caused upset certainly to this particular mother. As I say, I read out the email. Um, I'm coming at it. I didn't see the interview, so I don't know what the content of it was. But regardless, it seems like it was quite a hurtful comment for anyone who suffers from epilepsy to be likened to a donkey frothing from the mouth. If you saw it, are you with this mother? Were you upset by it? 1850-333-103. We were talking about roads earlier when I counselled John Paul O'Shea on John in Mallow reckons the worst road in his area is from Kylie's car sales to Quartertown. He reckons it's got to be the worst road in Mallow. Would others agree with John? And then on the curfew that we're running this poll and I know a number of people have contacted us who are not on Twitter. We're just trying to get a snapshot in time. That's why we're doing it on uh, Twitter. People say you should do it on text, do it by phone. And it's funny, all the people that are suggesting that are people who are 100% in agreement that a curfew needs to be introduced into this country. Jane's son lives in Melbourne and Melbourne was one of the cities in Australia that was badly affected. And well, not as bad as we were affected by COVID, but they had some of the higher figures for Australia. So they just did shutdown in Melbourne, which included a curfew. Jane says, my son who lives in Melbourne, he would have been fined $2,000 if he'd been found out at the street at five past eight. The curfew was at eight o'clock every evening. They are now 14 days Zero COVID cases. So it shows it does work and they are all back out again. We need to bring in a curfew in this country. Miriam says, my sister is sick in hospital at the moment and we can't get in to see her because of COVID-19. It is so unfair. And then you see the scenes that we witnessed in Dublin and in uh, Cork. It's typical of this country. It's all about drink, drink and more drink. Those who were out drinking at the weekend, they should be brought into a hospital and made see those who are suffering from COVID. 19. It might make them stop and think about going out next weekend. Tom in Rathcormick says they closed everything while off licences remained untouched. Why can't they see the problem? It's giving people access to drink. We need to close them, says Tom. While Tom in Donorell says the government need revenue at the moment because we're borrowing so much money. Why don't they double the price of drink in that put extra taxes on alcohol. It's not a necessity at the end of the day and certainly judging by the amount of people that are drinking at the moment, Tom and Donrell says it would bring in a lot of uh, money. Some of your texts in to us. Johnny North Cork says, Morning Trish, the scenes in Dublin were awful. Very frustrated for the people of Ireland who are trying their very best to stay and do all the right thing during lockdown. I hope on the first week in September that the wet pubs do open. I also hope that the gyms reopen because it's going to be a very depressing Christmas for many people. And that's from John in North Cork. Thanks, John. I think this, oh, this is interesting. This is, again, on the curfew, but in particular on the curfew that happened in Melbourne, Catherine says. I think a curfew should be brought in like what they did in Melbourne. In Melbourne, the curfew that was was in place was from 8pm in the evening until 6am in the morning. You were not allowed out on the streets. It was very hard for the people who live in Melbourne and I know I've got a daughter living there. There was mornings when I had her crying on the phone, having panic attacks, not having money and of course she didn't have any work. Her father and I were demented with worry but we forwarded her rent to her every month while she stayed put and we spoke to her every day to keep her spirits up. It was 
hell. But now they're reaping the rewards and Melbourne has now reopened with still some restrictions, but very light restrictions in comparison to where they were. And yesterday she celebrated her 28th birthday in style. We were so proud of her and the strength that she has shown. It's been almost two years now since we have seen her. But we know she's safe and well and please God, we'll all be together when this nightmare is over. So it can be done but we must stick to the rules. As it happens, Katie, our daughter, was the County Sound baby, the first one born on that Sunday morning 28 uh, years ago when the station would have been celebrating two years on air. She and your station have brought us so much happiness. Happy birthday to you all. Thank you for that. And as she is in the early days of C103 County Sound, as it was then, there was always birthday celebrations, the first birthday, the second birthday. And as you know, was it after five or six years they got, they we stopped celebrating them. So that's why it was such a big deal to celebrate the third this uh, weekend but good to know that your daughter is doing well and yes you're not on your own there's many people like that who haven't seen a much loved son or daughter but you know why you're doing it and once she's safe that is the main thing pass on our belated birthday greetings to her Catherine please when you are next uh, speaking to her 1850-333-103 and some more texts coming in to us Hi Patricia I would be all in favour of a curfew it should be put in place for the next few months I can't bear to think what we what will go on over Christmas with all of the drinking pubs should be kept closed they're breeding grounds for the virus if people just had a bit of patience things will come right but we need everybody to obey the rules and why was it Tony Houlihan who was one of the Neffet team said that the coronavirus its best friend is uh, alcohol Hi Patricia John from Butterfield I've been texting your show for weeks and weeks and weeks now saying that a curfew should be implemented in this country and again I believe that would stop those Muppets drinking on the streets. Close the off-licence, stop the shops from selling alcohol, only serve non-alcoholic drinks. Now, John goes a step further. If John was in power, he said, I'd give riot shields and batons to the army and I'd let them patrol uh, the streets. I don't know if everyone would agree with you on that one, uh, John. Somebody else says, the amount of goody two-shoes chirping this morning is unreal. They all seem to have answers to the problems. Pat says, hi Trish, the guards have checkpoints all over over the place with long tailbacks but they can't spot an open bar. Well we're not saying any bars are open we were saying the people this was the wet pubs that are allowed under level 5 to serve takeaway drink we're not saying that a pub is actually open that's not to say that there are probably some pubs illegally serving but that's behind uh, closed doors somebody else says how did people long ago manage when their family were not able to come home maybe for a couple of years what did they do back then they wrote letters home things have improved so much with phone and Skype and Facebook and you've got Zoom calls and FaceTiming Uh, COVID won't be with us forever folks Uh, please God it will be gone uh, soon so please just make an effort we just need everyone to make an effort for this year that's what we are looking at doing 1850 333 103 and just on the Twitter poll uh, this is what we put up on Twitter would you like to see the government impose a curfew given the scenes of drinking at the weekend on our city streets do you agree yes or no and the Twitter poll as it stands is just under 58% say yes to a curfew 
but no to a curfew is just slightly over 42%. Uh, so the majority, not a huge majority, but the majority of our listeners on our Twitter poll feel that a curfew should be put in place. And then thank you to a whole host of people who responded to Noreen. Noreen contacted us earlier and she's looking for a particular Ina Blyton book, Bimbo and Topsy. And lots of people say it's available on Amazon. And one listener actually sends, actually sends me a link to Amazon.co.uk and says, Bimbo and Topsy, happy days. Here's the book on Amazon and it's a good price too. And this listener said, I actually saw another one on sale. It was a hardback copy, obviously a, a collector's piece, I imagine. It was €100 Euro on Amazon. But the prices that are up on the moment that this link has been sent to are good, uh, good prices. So to Noreen, I know you said you're not very good at going online yourself. If you can get somebody you know to take a look at it through Amazon. Are the other, because I'm assuming that they're all second-hand books that are on sale. I know you said you looked in some bookshops. The other one, because I'm always trying to encourage people if you need to buy a book to go to your local independent bookstore, if at all possible. If you got onto a local bookshop, if it's, I don't know if it's still in print. If it's still in print, they could certainly order you order in a copy. But if it's a second-hand copy, then certainly they are available. You're going to have to get somebody to go online uh, for you. And thank you. People said it brought back very happy memories. I don't know. I'll have to take a look at the Ina Blyton uh, Bimbo and Topsy. It doesn't ring a bell with me at all. But thank you. People saying it's brought back happy memories to them. Heidi on the dentist. Uh, and this is to do with the, our listener who was on, who has a medical card and some private dentists. A lot of private dentists have stopped taking medical card patients. They say they're not getting paid enough by the government and it's causing huge problems for people who need dental work done who can't afford to go privately themselves. Uh, Heidi says, has anybody else noticed if you go along to the dentist that the prices have rocketed, particularly over the last few years? And this year they're charging more. They say it's for extra PPE gear. Dentists always wore PPE gear, says Heidi. They always wore gloves. They always wore masks. They always wore uh, goggles. So that can't be right that they're looking for more money because of PPE gear. Don't they realise that a lot of people today don't have a lot of money? Many people have lost their jobs. Heidi feels as an industry. Some, not all. Some, not all can be very selfish because we've heard from a number of other people who went to their dentists to say that the prices didn't go up at all. We did hear from other dental practices that people said that went to, that when they went along their particular dentist was looking for more money and saying it was because of uh, extra PPE gear. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. In particular your calls for Annalise Dressel on Nutritional Therapist please. Uh, you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Celebrate a real Cork Christmas Find out more at corkcoco.ie The Irish Cancer Society, they are looking for volunteer drivers. It's to help transport cancer patients to and from their hospital chemotherapy treatments. Volunteers are needed right across Cork to help keep this vital service running. Uh, The role is weekdays, but you must be able to commit to a full day's driving. More details from their website, www.cancer.ie. Can Talk, which is a support group for adults affected by cancer in any way. Their group continues online with support meetings held every Tuesday evening at half past seven. Attendance is free of charge, but booking is essential. And on the third Tuesday of every month, which is tomorrow night, Tuesday the 17th of November, its Cancer Bereavement Community Group will meet. Full details available on the Can Talk brochures, which are online at cantalk.ie. 
With Level 5 restrictions now in place, it's more important than ever to keep it local. That's why C103 asks you to make every effort to shop locally. Whether it's in-store for essentials, online, or click and collect. A thriving local economy is good for everyone. You'll save time and support local jobs. You can make it better. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, where you can shop local for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie Thank you for keeping it local. Thank you for keeping it local. From everyone at C103. Now, Bantir Makra are organising a Christmas appeal for local nursing homes. To find out more, I'm joined by Kelvin O'Connor of Bantir Makra. Good afternoon to you, Kelvin. Hi, Patricia. Uh, you're Thanks well- for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. Now, this is a simple enough idea and a really sweet one. Explain what you're asking people to do. Um... Just being to your mocker, when we took up an initiative to try and put a smile on faces that kind of have suffered, you know, over this due to the pen, the current pandemic we're going through. And, you know, we said we'd focus on local nursing homes and community hospitals. So we kind of came up with the idea. It's kind of in relation to the kind of shoebox appeal. So kind of gift boxes or gift bags or, as we're calling them, care packages. And um, we're kind of covering the areas of Boer Week, Hancock, Newmarket and Mill Street and Mount Alvernia. So how many nursing homes and community hospitals do you reckon you'll have? Um, we have currently one, two, three, four, five altogether five. currently. Okay. And there's over 180 residents. In total, okay. So you want you want 180 care packages at least. Yeah, and hopefully if we get more, we can as branch out and try and look the more, the merrier, as they say. Like. Did you contact the nursing homes and the community hospitals? We have contacted yeah. nursing homes and we have arranged that our own kind of thing is to have the packages in by the 12th of December so they can do the two weeks quarantine. Okay. Uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah, just to be sure, to be sure. And, yeah. they're, and they're thrilled with the idea and happy oh, to take them? delighted Are because they? they know the, like that the nursing homes have suffered so much with no visitors and things this year. It'd be nice just, like, just to make him, you know, put a smile on the faces yeah. of the residents. Yeah, and for the residents to know somebody you don't even know is thinking of you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I know I mentioned it earlier, Ty Daly of Nursing Homes Ireland, they're already today trying to say, you know, how are we going to handle Christmas? Because if we keep going the way we're going, it's looking like yeah. even even if visitors are allowed in, there are going to be very strict visitor restrictions in yeah, place over strict. Christmas. It just won't be the same. So, yeah, and they've already, you're right in saying they've already had a very, very tough uh, time of it. OK, what are you looking for people to, do, to donate, Kelvin? Um, we're looking, well, we kind of made out a list and people can see this on all our social media platforms. We kind of have a list of, you know, like toiletries, shower gel, shampoo, hand cream, face cream, perfume, socks, scarves, books, puzzle books, chocolate, sweets. And actually a great suggestion we've seen in one of the bags we're after receiving already was a scratch card. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. just a small, a small little gesture of a scratch card. Yeah, and why not? Look, we're also looking for suggestions to kind of give it that personal touch for them people. I know it's nice to get the box, but like, thankfully, we're after getting sponsorship of lovely little personalised gift cards to say Happy Christmas from Bantia Makra and the community. Well done. So, well we're done. just looking for suggestions of this little personal touch that we're going to put into our boxes. And uh, I just like to say we're blessed with the support we've, re- we've received so far from the businesses and individuals that have contacted us through social media and recent write-up on the Cockman. And as I've always said, 
that there would be no Bantio Mocker without the community. That's so it. we're blessed with the support. And this is about looking after the, the community and some very vulnerable members of our community. Back. And yeah. if businesses, Kelvin, it would be great if businesses chipped in and were able to donate items, but if they can't, they could they could give sponsorship. Oh, exactly. We'll take sponsorship and possibly ourselves, we'll go buy the products and fill boxes. Like, we're, we're not going to stop on boxes. We'll make the more boxes, the better, and we'll be able to branch out into different nursing homes. And do you know yourself, make a lot more people happier for Christmas. And where do people drop off the items to? Um, we're hoping now to have a drop-off in Bantill Community Centre on the 6th of December. It's the first Sunday of December. Okay. Uh, it'll be a one-way system inside in the hall. We'll have male and a female drop-off so people can put their male or female gift bag or care package in that location. So we won't even be in contact with anyone. Well so done. And um, like to be no contact drop off, so that is the best thing we're after kind of coming up with so far. Yeah, social distancing, even even exactly. for something as lovely as this, as people dropping off their items, we have to protect uh, ev- everyone. So that's the first Sunday in December. So people have yeah. between now and then to buy their item if they're out shopping or whatever, and 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 get it ready. Would you like to see other macro groups or other local organisations follow your lead and do it in their area, Kelvin? They can, of course, but it's a great initiative. Like, if if other macro clubs want to donate a few boxes, like, we will not forget about the support that we're going to get, and we're not going to forget about the businesses and individuals that have supported us so far. But no problem, it's a great initiative if it put like 50 smiles in the nursing homes, give them something for Christmas. They've had a tough year, yeah. Sure, you know. Yeah, 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 they, they have indeed. And what about Macra? How have you been affected, um? Kelvin, I'm assuming your your local meetups are they're all out the door. Yeah, everything is transferred off to Zoom. Like I have to say, Macra has coped very well. To be fair, because Macra is a great outlet for young people to get out and talk to people and whatever. And it was affected badly in March, but we're starting to learn with the Zoom calls and stuff. And over the weekend, like we had a national final of actually beef stock judging, and we had two members taking part, Martin and Sinead. And yesterday we had two teams. It was a, a wonderful achievement that we had two teams competing in the Cock County Novice Debating Final, which is amazing achievement for Bantier to have two teams in the final against each other. But <laughs> the both teams done the, the club pro. So and that was, o- that. that was over Zoom? Over Zoom, oh. yeah. Uh, <laughs> novice Debating, so there's no heckling, so that kind of helps a bit. Right. So, no, it was actually very well, very well, done. well, uh, well done. put done by Cork County Macra. Yeah, we're all adapting and, you know, it'll pass and this time next year it'll be hopefully but a distant memory. F- fingers crossed, fingers crossed. We can get back to our normal activities with Macra and every, everyone else as well, like in, in all different aspects of lifestyle. OK, well, good luck with this initiative for the nursing homes and the community hospitals. And just remind us closer to the time, Kelvin, um, stick an email to us just to, or a text, just remind us so that we can let listeners know just to remind them of that, of the collection point on that first Sunday in December. But in the meantime, best of luck with it. Thanks very much. And if anyone wants to contact me and if you want to contact the page, you can give out my number. I have no problem. Or any of the Bent Your Mocker social media outlets. OK. And we will... Look, and we can organise a collection and meet you somewhere to collect the boxes or bags if you want. We'll make it as easy as possible for people. You're great. And just thanks to everyone has given us support so far and hopefully it's a success.
It will be. It will be. You've big okay. hearts. Thanks very much for having me on air. My pleasure, Kelvin. Congratulations on the 30 years on air as well. <laughs> Thanks very much. You're very good. God bless. Thanks Mind yourself. Bye bye. Uh, Kelvin O'Connor there. Uh, Bantier Mocker. I tell you, people are just so good at trying to come up with ideas of making it a little bit easier for people this uh, Christmas. Well done to Bantier Mocker. And I'd love to think that other groups will, will follow suit and maybe in their own area in West Cork, in East Cork, in the city, the groups will get together and think of those that are in nursing homes and community hospitals this year because Christmas will be and the staff will do their very, very best but it will be a lonely, lonely time for someone that will just brighten know people just to get a care package like that knowing it's coming from the community. People that don't even know them are thinking of them at, at Christmas. Now some quickly some of your texts before we go to Annalise. This is a reaction to the listener who sent in the email about how upset they were about the item that was carried on the Late Late Show where Gabriel Byrne, the actor uh, likened somebody compared somebody to being like a person uh, that a donkey is to a person with epilepsy frothing from the mouth. Hi Patricia, I also heard what was said on the Late Late Show on Friday night about people with epilepsy frothing from the mouth like a donkey. I had epilepsy for 29 years and thankfully I'm seizure free for 23 years t- thanks to surgery. It was a deplorable comment to make and I feel so upset for people and their families who are affected by epilepsy. People should think before they talk. People with epilepsy have feelings uh, too. Thank you for that and, and how right you are. Hi Patricia, I must tell you what I saw outside a shop in Bantry. One person came out of the shop and met a friend and they had a little bit of a, sh- a chat. Oh, it was lovely. Until it was time for the other person to go into the shop and suddenly discovered, oh God, I have no mask. The person who'd come out of the shop wearing a mask took their, <laughs> obviously taking their mask off for the shop handed it to the friend who then walked in wearing the same mask. How disgusting, says a uh, listener. <laughs> so, so if that was you in a shop in Bantry, you were spotted. And somebody else just done something disgusting, said Patricia, I was disgusted yesterday, passing a bottle bank at the car park. I just don't know where this is. A bag of rubbish and a mattress dumped there. I hope the people that do it are named and shamed. Yeah, you've, but you've got to try and work out who dumped it. Imagine somebody taking a mattress, going to the bother of taking a mattress obviously in a car or a van or whatever and they're bringing it to the brink site of the bottle bank and just dumping it there. Shame on them for uh, sure. We were talking about roads early, earlier on. A listener said, and someone was talking about the worst road in Mallow that they felt was a listener says the spa road in Mallow is in a very bad state. There's potholes now starting. The big lorries haven't helped. What about a bypass? We can only dream. Tim says this is on people breaching the COVID-19 restrictions. The Irish seem to have difficulty in understanding instructions. Can I just jump in, Tim, and say some of the Irish, not all. All of us are abiding by the rules. Anyway, Tim says we've difficulty in understanding instructions and they seem to believe the instructions do not apply to them. How would the police react in New York if there were crowds out on Times Square or Fifth Avenue out drinking and going against regulations? It wouldn't matter if Donald Trump's son and son-in-law and Prince Andrew were among the merry-making. Into the police wagon they would be put, says uh, Tim. Tim would prefer if that's what our Gardaí uh, did instead, whereas instead we, we are told that the Gardaí, the Gardaí, the tradition of policing in Ireland is policing by consent. And that means the Gardaí members engage, explain and encourage, and as a very last resort, enforce. So what they did, 
when they went out on the streets of Cork City and Dublin City last Saturday when people were out congregating. That's what they did. They engaged, they explained and they encouraged and they asked people to uh, move on. And then a West Cork listener has been on to say hi. There is an active history documentary on the flying column in West Cork during the Irish War of Independence and it's going to be shown on RTE1 this Wednesday night at 23.50, 10 to 12. Be God, I'll be well in my bed at that stage. Uh, Saturday the 28th of November will mark the 100th anniversary of the Kilmichael ambush which had a massive impact on the struggle for Irish freedom. As commemorations have all been cancelled due to COVID-19, would it not be more appropriate for this programme which is called The Brigade to be shown at a better time when people would actually be able to watch it rather than showing it at 10 to 12 at night when most of us are in our beds? Bridget Jones' baby is on at 21.35 on the same evening. Would putting the show on that time not be a better way to commemorate the people who fought for Irish freedom? Thanking you for your time. And that's signed a West Cork listener. Now, I'm, if that programme has been shown that late at night, I would assume that it's a repeat. Is it a repeat? It is a repeat. OK, John Paul tells me it's a repeat. And that's why it's been shown that late at uh, night. But anyway, the West Cork listener feels Bridget Jones' baby, which is on earlier. They should forgo that, put Bridget Jones' baby on at 10 to 12 instead and show that programme called The Brigade, which is an active history documentary on the flying columns. And I have a funny feeling. I, that's why I said I think it was a repeat. I have a funny feeling that I saw, I watched that uh, programme uh, before it was shown on a primetime slot at 10.15 last year. It uh, was... Oh, yeah, that's why it rings the bell with me. I knew when I saw it called The Brigade, we actually spoke with some of the actors and some of the people who uh, took part because it was filmed in West Cork. Yeah, I, I remember it now. OK, anyway, this history in West Cork still feels, because it's coming so close to the 100th anniversary of the Kilmichael ambush and the fact that there, won't, there hasn't been and won't be any commemorations this year, for that reason, if no others, it should be shown at an earlier time. 1850-333-103. I'm going to take a break because Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist, is joining us. If you've got a question for Annalise and you haven't got it in, get it in now. You can text her WhatsApp 862 103 103. So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favorite shows on the. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go on your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. We are C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We're going to the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic, where I'm joined by Annalise Dressel. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And thank you for your very kind message for our oh, 30th anniversary program. Congratulations. Well, it's an incredible achievement. Well, and thank you. How long have you been with us now? I think it's probably over 10 years. Whoa, there you go. There you yeah. go. And may you be with us for another 10 because okay. you're one of our busiest slots every week. Let's get straight into questions. Hi, uh, this is from a listener. I had a slight heart attack a few weeks ago and since I've been feeling very tired. Is there any good vitamin that you would suggest? Also, is it safe to have a glass of wine? I'm on about six tablets a day at the moment. So the most important question I'll answer first, yes, it should be safe to have a glass of wine. And in actual fact, red wine is very heart healthy because it's very high in um, a red pigment called resveratrol, which is really, really good for the arteries and the veins around the heart. Now, in terms of low energy, that's very much to be expected after um, a major surgery like that. And you need to be very careful with the type of multivitamin that you take or the type of tonic that you take because I would say that after a heart surgery, the person, the listener is probably on a blood thinner, Patricia. So it's going to limit the amount of things that you can take. Um, and also you need to be very careful about herbs if you're on um, blood pressure medication as well. Normally, I would recommend something like the Source of Life Gold, but there is things in there like ginseng, which maybe wouldn't work well with any type of um, blood pressure medication just after heart surgery. Um, so what I think could be a good option is something called Terra Nova Life, L-I-F-E, just plain life. And it's actually a kind of a drink, a powder that you mix up into a smoothie. And it's full of all of these superfoods. There's some protein in there, which is very good if your appetite is low to uh, stimulate your appetite and prevent muscle wastage. There's probiotics in there and some omega-3 fats. So it's a wonderful tonic in a food-based form, which is safe to take no matter what medication you're on. So you'll get it in any health shop. It's called Terra Nova is the company Life Powder Drink. Okay, good luck with that. Mary says, hi, question for Annalise. My 13-year-old daughter has had a very fast growth spurt and now she's very obvious stretch marks in some parts of her body. They really bother her and it's getting her down. Is there anything that Annalise could recommend that would help to lighten the colour of them? Her skin is also very spotty at the moment. Obviously, acne. Teenage years are difficult. It's a very delicate time. Thanking you in advance, says Mary. Yeah, they're, they're tough years at the best of times. It is, Patricia, and God love them now because everything has to be curated and documented on social media so you can't get away with the slightest blemish. So there are two separate things there, really. The first thing with the stretch marks, I think one of the best things for that is rosehip oil. And you'll get that in any health store. And just rub that into the stretch marks. And that should, over time, fade the stretch marks and and, um, improve the skin. One of the big things as well as vitamin C, very important for skin, um, especially when you're pregnant for the 
to prevent stretch marks. So taking a vitamin C supplement is no harm. And then the skin with teenage hormonal acne, one of the best products for that um, is a product that you can buy in most health shops. And you, it's a face wash and a spray that works, doubles up as a moisturizer. It's by a company called Salcura, C-A-L-C-U-R-A. Sorry, S-A-L-C-U-R-A. And the product itself is called Antiac, A-N-T-I-A-C, like anti-acne, I suppose it is. And it works really well. I get great feedback on it. And then if it's very severe acne, Viridian do a beautiful product called Clear Skin Complex. And that's very good, for, especially for hormonal-based acne for both boys and girls during puberty. So that would be uh, worth trying if it's, if it's bothering her. Okay. Hi, Annalise. I re- I'm recently after a full hysterectomy and I'm finding it very hard to sleep through the night with night sweats. Is there anything you would recommend? Yes. Yeah, so that is the, uh, like, and that's the awful thing about having a hysterectomy um, is that you're, you're, you go into the menopause with a slam rather than a slide. So um, that would be a very typical symptom. Sage is generally the first thing I recommend for the sweats. It works the best. Um, you can buy it in a tea or you can get it in a tincture and as tablets. And the Dr. Vogel range um, should be available in every health store. It's a very common one and it's called Menoforce and that's a sage supplement. And then the other alternative, if you're experiencing other symptoms uh, like low mood or um, forgetfulness, which I, is, I'm struggling with myself at the moment, <laughs> and um, other things like uh, low libido, so what, what's very good in those circumstances is plant-based oestrogens. So it's like a natural form of HRT. These plant-based compounds mimic oestrogen very mildly in the body. They're generally safe for everybody to take, but they do say that people who have a family history of cervical or breast cancer shouldn't try them. And you'll buy again, get them in any health store. The Dr. Vogel does a menopause support one that has these plant-based oestrogens in there. But there's a lot of different extra brands. So go into your health shop, have a chat, and they'll select the best ones for you. Okay, and a common question that comes in nearly every week. What can I take? My energy is nil after recovering from COVID. So most circumstances, there is just absolutely nothing that can top the source of life gold. It's a liquid drink. Now, you can get it in tablets as well, but I think the drink is much better. And you just take a shot of it every morning. And it's a um, a powerhouse of hundreds of different superfoods, mushroom extracts for the immune system, herbs to boost the adrenals and the immune system, herbs to give you energy. Um, it's fantastic. And I, I would always recommend that people who are feeling a bit low take it as a tonic for a month but actually some people love it so much Patricia especially they stay on it, they stay on it yeah. yeah I remember you recommending it for me last year when I got a, got a virus uh, and I took it for the month it's thought it absolutely fantastic it looks disgusting when you pour it out first thing but it, it actually yeah it doesn't taste great I, I, I found the taste I got over the taste it was just the look of it it's green just to yeah, warn people green. and it's, to it's warn people when you go to the loo Exactly. It's a it's shade like of green. so much <laughs> complex in it that your yeah. urine goes a very uh, neon yellow. Yeah, color, that's it. perfectly normal. It almost yeah. glows in the dark. Absolutely. Uh, hi, Patricia. Question for Annalise, please. How do I prevent and what's the best treatment for chillblains? Oh, so sore chillblains. Yes, absolutely. So one of my favourites is the Dr. Delish Clare healing cream for that. It takes the itch and the pain out of them very quickly. Um, but there is actually um, a herbal tincture that you can take as a preventative. It's called viola tricolor. And they're those, it's from the extract of those beautiful little viola plants that we often plant in the 
winter and springtime, the tiny little pansies. Um, and it's the three the three colour ones. So think about viola and the three colours, viola tricolor, and you'll get it. The Dr. Vogel range do one. You'll get it in any health shop. The other thing that's great as well, especially if you suffer from cold hands and feet, is um, horseradish and garlic complex from Viridian. And that's just brilliant to improve circulation. And generally circulation is the issue with chilblains. And it's normally, it's, it's only in the cold weather, isn't it? It's, oh, it's yeah. In actual fact, a lot of a lot of farmers get it from the milking parlours because their hands get so cold and their feet get so cold in the milking parlours. So I sell quite a bit of it here in the shop. Yeah, yeah. I remember as a child having it, I think it was, it was our classroom was very cold and I remember a lot of us got chillblains and it was to do with that the classroom was just into the proper uh, heating. And I remember, and I don't know if it worked or not, uh, doing, used to have to put your feet from hot water into cold water. I'm sure that probably would work actually, Patricia, yeah. because that would increase blood flow to the area yeah, and then yeah. it would improve the circulation. I remember getting them as well, Patricia, as a young one and getting down on the carpet and scratching the so raw bread. So yeah. do I. They always, <laughs> oh, they really are painful. My heart goes out to you. Uh, hi, Patricia and Annalise. This is an email to Patricia at C103.ie. I had fluid recently drained from my knee. I was di- It was diagnosed as a baker cyst. What causes the fluid to build up and does it have to be removed frequently? And that's from Rose and I, did, I, I googled a baker cyst because you, have you heard of this? I think it used to also be called housemaid's knee um, Patricia and it's a kind of it's like a little pocket that forms and fills up with fluid and really there is nothing for it but to be to drain it and it can be common for people who spend a lot of time on their knees which is why I think it used to be called housemaid's knee because they would have been down scrubbing floors yeah. and it can be very very painful to be honest I don't know if there is anything natural that you could take to I mean certainly it has to be drained. There is nothing natural that you can take that can um, get rid of it. But in terms of prevention, I suppose really it, uh, it's making sure that the fluid is, is um, circulating freely. And I'm always a big fan of magnesium for that. So I would use a magnesium gel or a magnesium spray. Buy it in any health shop. In fact, I'd say a lot of pharmacies have it as well. And I would rub that and massage that into the knees daily and just try and prevent it from building up again, okay. making sure it drains. Uh, somebody straight away could we repeat the name of the energy tonic uh, that you've just been discussing Source of Life so, Gold Source of Life Gold it's by a company called Nature's Plus and it's in a white bottle within a gold top and it's, it's only I've only ever seen it in health shops is, is it only do chemists do it as well or is it no, just a health shop Nature's Plus is a brand that just is sold through health stores because I think probably a lot of the the ingredients, you'd need to just maybe check with people's medication first to make sure that they're okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, Mary says, uh, hi Annalise, I'm suffering from vertigo at the moment. My appetite is also very poor and I have what I describe as a heavy head. My energy is nil. What would you recommend taking? Oh, that vertigo is awful, Patricia. It is where you get um, inflammation of the canals in the inner ear so it affects your balance and you can feel dizzy and nauseous. It's like you're seasick all the time. So generally, the doctors actually do provide a seasickness tablet to, to um, treat that. Um, it's a difficult one, to be honest, Patricia, in terms of natural medicine. There is a, a, a product called Hearing Support by a, that same company, Nature's Plus, and it's unfortunately been discontinued. And I would have recommended it for vertigo and for tinnitus as a result of a virus in the past, and it works brilliantly. But I think I have a couple because I bought whatever left they in stock it's very hard to get your hands on. But if you can, it's called Nature's Plus Hearing Support. Um, and again, that's a health shop product. 
So otherwise, I think that um, source of life gold is a great tonic just to improve your energy and to support your immune system. It's really about antiviral here. So another lovely antiviral that I'm a big fan of is the olive leaf extract. And also that has got a lot of natural anti-inflammatory components that would work to bring the inflammation down in the inner ear. So if you can't get your hands on the hearing loss, get the um, olive leaf extract in liquid form from your health shop and a small bottle of the Source of Life Gold and combine the two. Okay, here's a cautionary tale. My wife had one of those Baker cysts that you were talking about. It burst. It resulted in her having to get a knee replacement, so don't ignore it. Oh, definitely not. It's very painful, I think, Patricia. It would be very... Yeah, it would you definitely... It would be, be, it would be impossible yeah. to almost yeah. ignore it. My little boy has dark wax in his ear. It keeps coming back. I keep cleaning it out. Any remedy? Build up of wax. So you can you can actually get natural drops in health shops that will just keep the... You know, that you can put into the ear that will keep it from becoming so hard and encrusted that it affects the hearing. So I would advise that. There's nothing really to stop the making of it. Um... Sometimes, you know, with the ear, I suppose we think we often think dairy, but that's more of a kind of a mucus buildup as opposed to a wax buildup. But if his hearing is effective, maybe think about looking at dairy to see if there a link there. Other than that, I would just use the wax drops to keep it clear so that it's very easy to remove. But be careful cleaning it out. Absolutely. There was one doctor said you should never put anything into your ear that's bigger than your elbow or sorry, smaller than your elbow. Yeah. So using the um the earbuds can be difficult. That's why I think that those eardrops that pin out the wax are very good because it just kind of can drain out itself of its own accord. And let it come out uh, yeah. naturally. What about the ear candling? The ear candling is is absolutely amazing, Patricia, for yeah. people who've got blocked ears. Now, you just do need someone to help you with it. Yeah. Yeah. You do need to read the instructions carefully because it is wax and if you spilt it onto the skin, it could create what? a burn. But they're absolutely wonderful. And there is another product that's very good for stuck wax in ears. And you'll get it in the pharmacy. It's hydrogen peroxide, so it's bleach. So be very careful with it. Okay. All right. Again, get someone to apply it. Okay, listen, have a good week. We'll talk next Monday. Thank you. Thanks for that. Bye-bye. That is Annalise Giselle of the Health Hub Times Square in uh, Balancolic. Uh, And that's where we wrap it up for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara. Uh, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock. On to then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon and stay safe. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.